Thursday, May 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Article 1, Jason Moser, and from Fool.com, Senior Analyst Matt Coppenheffer. Happy Thursday, guys. Happy Thursday. Thursday to you, Chris. Um, we've got some earnings. Facebook, Visa, uh, Yahoo is in the news, but not because of earnings. Um, and we're going to talk a little European banking, which is always a good time. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, and frankly, just uh, an awesome, awesome business war going on in the state of New York. We'll get to all of that, but let's start. Uh, let's start with Facebook. Facebook's first quarter, kind of a mixed bag. Uh, revenue was up 38%. That was better than expected. Uh, profit up Oh, just just a hair shy of seven percent. They kind of missed on that. Shares up a little bit. I I think, I think people were sort of taking uh, more from the positives than from the negative. But you looked at their quarter. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I I think overall it was a positive quarter for Facebook. But there is still this overarching question of of how they're going to really be able to monetize their model, and so that's why the stock isn't really doing much of anything today. It, it was it was positive, but still a lot of questions still unanswered. Uh, we understand why they're developing that Facebook Home app. I mean, they're essentially trying to make it so that once you go into your smartphone, I mean, you're in that Facebook environment from from the get go, and that's the key. There really is engagement, and uh, it seems like their you know their average monthly users and their average daily users, while they're growing, that growth is actually slowing down, and that's a problem. So they really have to focus on ways to keep engagement up. We see the same thing from LinkedIn. LinkedIn focus really on engagement. Uh, with Facebook, though, I. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm not just a big fan of the service. Like, I I don't think that they generally make the user experience better. I think I think that typically when you use Facebook uh, to do other things on, on the internet, I I just don't find value in that relationship there. And if you, if you sort of flip it over on the other side and look at something like Google, Google's doing something now with Google Now. I don't know if you've tried that, I but it's not. it's essentially that same kind of thing where Google is is sort of setting up your home page. Uh, allowing you to personalize it with your sports teams, your weather location, traffic, stock prices, all that sort of thing in, in that Google environment. It just seems to be a bit more friendly, a bit more relatable, a little bit less intrusive. Uh, and so I guess my concern with Facebook is when they really start peppering home with ads, what's that ultimately going to do to the user experience and the engagement number? I was going to say, Matt, it seems like for, rightfully so for, uh, I would say, the last six to maybe nine months or so, a lot of the focus on Facebook has been around mobile, um, and again, rightfully, they have they have been saying, particularly to Wall Street analysts, no, 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 we have a plan, we're going to make money on mobile. But to Jason's point, it really seems like now they're at the point where they need to start talking about something else, um, because I, I, I sort of feel the same way in terms of the user experience, like, you know, there's... There's nothing new on Facebook that is getting me more engaged, that is making me feel more like, oh, I need to spend more time there. You know, they did that test a couple of years ago, I guess now, um, streaming a movie. So I, I'm, I, you know, I'm wondering, you know, is, is that the next thing for them? If they're, if they're going to try and make some uh, big push into online video or something like that. But I don't know. When you, when you look at that business, what stands out to you? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because I've been one of those people that have been, you know, I've been saying, I want to move away from Facebook. It hasn't, you know, it hasn't really been grabbing me lately. I, I want to try to move to, to more to other social networks. And then I was at uh, I was at the Boston Marathon. Yes. And it was a really interesting experience from the perspective that after everything started to go haywire, I was able to to get on Facebook and basically post one message, and all of the people that care about me and all my friends and family suddenly knew what was going on. 
So it, it really reminded me of, of the connectivity of Facebook and, and just how powerful that network is. So, you know, I, I agree that there hasn't been anything new that Facebook has done lately that's really grabbing me and saying, I've got to be on here more. But there, there, I, there's some value. There's some real value in that, in that yeah. network that is created. Uh, you mentioned LinkedIn, shares of LinkedIn since the IPO up. I think the number I saw this morning was 340%. Facebook since the IPO is still well below where uh, it started almost a year ago. When you look at shares today, are they attractively priced or are you still sort of shying away from Shares of Facebook or LinkedIn? Facebook. Yeah, for me, Facebook is still a little bit rich for my blood. It's just a lot of positive expectations priced in there. And I, I, I fully agree with what Matt said there. I mean, there is a tremendous asset. There's a lot of power in the connectivity of and that network that they have there. It's still, there's, there's just so many questions that remain on how they're going to really monetize that. And, and to, today, I mean, it's just essentially, uh, it's just baking in a lot of, of things that they've not yet done, and, and I just uh, I'd have to see a little bit more of the stock price come down to get a little bit more comfortable with it. Earlier today, the European Central Bank cut its benchmark interest rate to a new record low of zero point five percent. We talk about free money forever, Matt. It's nice to know that's not just here in America. Apparently, over with the ECB, they're doing it as well. Uh, you focus primarily on banks. Um, for someone like me, who's not a banking analyst and certainly not uh, focused on European banks, wh- what is the ripple effect of a move like this for the average investor in the U.S.? Well, you know, it's it's all really kind of sad in the way, and it, it makes me want to want to go over to the uh, to, to 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 the EU and and maybe hug some central bankers. Um, <laughs> we, you know, it, this is it's a situation where both in the U.S. and in the EU, you've got these central bankers that are basically saying, "Oh, here, take all of this money. We're going to flood the market with money, um, and, and hopefully spark the economy that way." And then on the other hand, you have governments that are cutting back in every which way. And so you've got all of this low-cost money, but meanwhile you have economies that are either slowing or contracting. You need real uh, real economic growth, real economic activity to, to drive the desire for anybody to borrow, to expand, to buy things, that sort of thing. So, you know... Pushing on the string is, is, is a lot of the way that, that, that people tend to describe this right. sort of thing. But basically, you have bankers offering money that nobody really wants to take. Does this? Uh, we talked yesterday about uh, the whole, uh, the old adage, "sell in May and go away." And I think Jason, you were the one who made the point. Uh, like, where else are you going to go, people, when you're looking to invest? Where, you know, where else are you going to go? And when I, I look at this story with the ECB, uh, that's that's one of the thoughts I have, where it just seems like. Okay, this seems like one more uh, argument for investing in U.S. stocks over the summer because this, you know, if I'm hearing you correctly, this doesn't make European banks any more attractive. And as a ripple effect, it doesn't necessarily make European-based companies more attractive as investments. I, yeah, I just I found it very. I, I was amazed actually to see that uh, Draghi he he actually refused to rule out the possibility of cutting the rate below zero. And essentially, Wait, what exactly? I know that Literally, was the reaction we will I had. Pay you to take our exactly. Money. <laughs> they are going to charge banks for keeping their money with the ECB. Okay, and so the the idea is that they're trying to create a reason for them to not hoard cash. 
right? So okay. it's almost punishing them to hoard cash in order to try to get the economy moving again. And just when you hear something like that, I mean, that, that really just shows you how how bad things are. And we were talking about yesterday with that sort of sell and may and go away thing. And one of the reasons why that may not really apply so much this, this summer uh, is, is because, again, the stock market really is the only place to go at this point. And from everything we saw yesterday, the Fed here certainly is not taking their foot off the gas either. So if you are uh, the average executive at Bank of America or Goldman Sachs or Citi and you see this news, are, are you just rubbing your hands together with glee? Because this, this implicitly means th- – this is, this is implicitly a positive for U.S. Wall Street banks? Not necessarily. One of the things that the big banks have, have really been struggling with is that as these rates come down, the, the margin that they earn between what they're lending and, and then what they're borrowing at, it continues to compress. So actually what they need is a turnaround in rates so that they can see those spreads start to widen back out. There are some trading opportunities that arise from it. But, you know, big picture, this isn't, you know, this isn't a glee time for the banks. Shares of Visa up more than 7% this morning after strong second quarter earnings. Uh, the company also raised guidance. That, that, that seems like a, a, one of those win-win situations where you have the, the really strong quarter and, uh, and the blowout, not the blowout guidance, but the increased guidance. Um, what do you think when you look at Visa, particularly in the wake of, you know, when we were talking about MasterCard yesterday? Yeah, well, I think that, uh, you know, Visa obviously had a very good quarter. To see them raise guidance like that is encouraging. It was, I put that basically about in line with MasterCard reiterating their guidance. But again, I mean, we've talked about this a number of times before. These two companies together maintain such a tremendous amount of market share in this, in this electronic payments industry. And, and yeah, Visa is significantly larger than MasterCard and it's certainly a very well-run company. This stock has rewarded shareholders immensely over the few over the recent past uh i i don't see any real reason for that to change again i mean they they just have a wonderful business model it scales out they have the technology and infrastructure there they're they're taking part in the in the movement towards technology they're not getting passed by by the disruptors they're helping disrupt and they're working uh working out new partners uh partnerships in in the process so i i look at visa and i look at mastercard and, and I think you know, I, I, I tend to look at MasterCard first just because I feel like there's a little bit more opportunity there. But by the same token, I think if an investor is looking to get in on that game, if you plunk down equal investments in Visa and MasterCard, I think five, ten years from now, you're going to be extremely happy that you did. Do you look at the the move towards mobile payment, Matt, and and see opportunities for serious disruption? Or to Jason's point, is that, you know, yes – uh, a, a small startup like Square, uh, or even an established company like PayPal, they're going to have their opportunities. But Visa and Mastercard are doing all the right things at this point. Oh, there's there's reason for Visa and Mastercard to be concerned. I mean, where effective uh, competition will come from will not be from you know big head-to-head collisions with Visa and Mastercard. There's no way somebody's going to take them down like that. It's going to be off on the so if o- you're, off on the outskirts. if you're Discover. If you're Discover, you know uh, financial services. Good luck to you, but that's a tough go. But nobody's betting on you. But if you're but if you're out in the fringes fighting a, a little bit of guerrilla warfare here and there with with Visa and Mastercard, you can have you can have a chance. But you know people are still going to turn to Visa and Mastercard. It is just talk about competitive moat. It is a tremendous moat with these two companies. And uh, Jason was talking about shareholder returns. I was talking to a colleague earlier today. I think Mastercard has returned like a thousand percent since its uh, since its IPO. All along, I've been looking at these two, and, and, and every step along the way, it's just a little too expensive. <laughs> well, that's just why Mastercard li- was so attractive <laughs> yesterday, right? 
<laughs> and, you know, it, it's a great example of what Buffett's always said is that it's better to buy a, a great company at a fair price than wait around for, for the, the fair company at a, at a great price. So shares of Visa hitting a new all-time high today. That's you know that shouldn't necessarily put people off. I wouldn't think so. I mean, I, you have to look at these companies. I think as excellent companies to buy, sort of in thirds or fourths or fifths, like we talk about. Don't make, don't don't boil it down to just one purchase. I mean, you can buy some today to get your skin in the game, and then I mean maybe a quarter or two down the road they miss estimates and the stock gets sold off. You can buy some more. Then it's just they're great positions to build over time. I think. Uh, as I mentioned, Yahoo is in the news, uh, but not because of earnings, uh, rather because it just bought Astrid, which is an online to-do list app that has about 4 million users. The price was not disclosed, so we don't know how much Yahoo paid for this startup company. Uh, I saw one blind quote, I think it was on TechCrunch, where someone was saying, well, they paid they paid a hefty price for, you know, considering the size of Astrid, that sort of thing. What are they going to do with this now? I saw a notice that Astrid isn't going to accept any new members for the next 90 days. Some people are, are reporting that Yahoo's just going to shut it down. They, they, they're not going to just – they didn't buy it just to – crush it did they or did they <laughs> well i i don't know i don't know if they bought it just to shut it down i mean i out of curiosity downloaded the app today and signed up for it so maybe i beat them to the punch before they're going to draw the line off and maybe that's just just premium customers they're talking about but from what i can gather astra just looks like a it looks like an organizational tool something tantamount to more or less what your outlook does for you now and helping keep a calendar okay. and reminders and stuff like that so you know on the one hand i'm trying to actually find the utility for for me, uh, maybe maybe it doesn't really have a utility if I'm already engrossed in my Outlook or Google Now or Facebook or, or LinkedIn. Uh, but I do think it's the right move by Yahoo in their in their pursuit of personalization is what I what I like to call it because that's really you can see that's what Marissa Meyer is trying to do is really take Yahoo, streamline it, personalize it, bring it into the 21st century where, where mobile is concerned. And I think this is just another example of that of that effort. Time will tell whether it works, but. Uh, I wish I knew the deal. I wish I knew the numbers. Then I could tell you whether I really think it's a great deal or not. But I, I think it's an interesting deal for sure. Do they have to disclose it uh, when they report their next quarterly earnings? Do they have to break that out? Or, or can they just, you know, like we've seen with plenty of other companies, say, no, we're not going to tell you that? Depends on the size of the deal. If, if, the, if the deal isn't large enough to really be material to the company, they, they don't have to. Okay. Um, Shares of Yahoo up a little bit on this news, about 2% or so. Again, we don't know what they paid for it. It seems like in, on some level, Marissa Mayer is getting the benefit of the doubt here. Um, and you know, and she, I think she deserves that just given her track record in being CEO for less than a year. But again, it's hard for me to, to feel like this is absolutely a slam dunk for them. Um, again, when we don't know what they paid. But what do you think of the company in advance of earnings? I mean, I, they've been on fire lately. They've doing, I mean, The stock has obviously been very popular. Uh, I think that a lot of that has to do with what she's been doing. She's not been sitting still. Uh, you know, they recently bought all the rights to Saturday Night Live to, to, to just to display on Yahoo exclusively. Uh, this new ad stream experience, they're enhancing their, their ads uh, to become more personalized. Uh, and now this deal with Astrid, I mean, I like all of the steps that she's taking. Really, the bottom line, though, as we've said it time and time again here, is we're going to have to just see stretches of organic growth beyond just building blocks here. We need to see this resulting in real revenue growth over time. That's going to be the proof in the pudding. I think she can do it. 
uh, the stock today, it's a little bit pricey for my for my blood. I, I'd like to see it. Uh, I'd like to see it come back on earnings, possibly. But there, she's doing a good job. Uh, we've talked about titanic size corporate battles: Coke and Pepsi, Ford and GM, uh, Microsoft, Apple, Google. Uh, I think all of those pale in comparison to the uh, <laughs> the business battle that's taking place right now in Gloversville, New York, <laughs> uh, a town in upstate New York with a population of uh, 15,621. Uh, I'll just read uh, directly from uh, this Associated Press story. The chilly relationship between rival upstate New York ice cream truck operators got out of hand this season with Snow Cone Joe trying to chase Mr. Dingaling out of the market. Authorities said Wednesday. By the way, that's the that's my favorite part of that opening sentence. Authorities said Wednesday. Gloversville police told local media outlets two Snow Cone Joe operators face harassment and stalking charges after heated confrontations last month that included one of them yelling, This is my town at a Mr. Dingaling driver. There's such an onion-esque quality to this article. And yet this is this is a real thing that's happening. Um, I, 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 I don't even know if I have any question here. I'm just, other than how great is this story? Look, l- l- let me tell you that this is a little bit dangerous because if you back Mister Dingling into the into the corner, you risk getting your bell rung. Ooh. Oh. There you have it. Oh. So, uh, for our dozens of listeners who thought the first pun was going to come from Jason Moser, you just lost. When I, um, I don't know. I, you know, I think uh, uh, Mac and I were talking earlier. Uh, Snow Cone Joe, just from a branding standpoint, I think that's a stronger name. Mr. Dingling was probably, <laughs> that has a quaint feel to it, but I think that's not really a 21st century, uh, brand you necessarily want to go to. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be letting my kids run to the Mr. Dingling truck to get their ice cream. <laughs> Snow Cone Joe seems a little bit more innocent and, uh, trustworthy. Except that Snow Cone Joe is chasing Mr. Dingling all over the, uh, all over the, the town there. Well, he's passionate, right? He's pa- he loves his job. He loves his work. Police said Joshua Malatino, one of the owners of Snow Cone Joe, also called uh, the suburban Albany headquarters of Mr. Dingling and said, I own this town, <laughs> while claiming Snow Cone Joe controls the frozen treats, uh, frozen treats market in Gloversville, a former manufacturing city about 35 miles northwest of Albany. I mean, this is... It's like a boardwalk empire for frozen treats. I, it kind <laughs> of is. To, to be fair, those those strawberry shortcake pops, those are a little like crack to me, so I can see where the oh, yeah. uh, owning the street corner for the frozen treats is. Uh, Matt and I were talking about this earlier, and uh, I, I mentioned that uh, last week we were at Fulapalooza, our annual meeting, and uh, one of the things that happened, there were, there were different contests that happened, and I forget who it was, but one of our colleagues won uh, a visit from the ice cream truck to our office that's gonna can, ha- can we oh, suggest yeah. that it be snow cone joe that comes? you know i don't know uh, that might be a little pricey to have snow cone joe uh come down from upstate new york but uh, you know it can't hurt to ask right it can't hurt to ask. all they can do is say no but i think yeah you know what right after we're done taping i'm gonna i'm gonna check out snow cone joe online see if, see if he's it. not detained <laughs> assuming that the authorities have not detained him Matt Coppenhaffer, Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Snow cone Joe. I love your idea for the uh, hug a central banker program. <laughs> it's like it's it's like this.
know. It's a morale boost. I mean, that could it's be a like morale a day. boosting They're program. trying so hard. <laughs> it's like you have peanut butter and jelly day, and yeah. then, you know, maybe we could have Hug a Central Banker. Hug a Central Banker. Yeah. Come on. Just get, there are people. Too. We could probably build an app for that. <laughs>